0: Hello, I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop, and this is the Meet Cute Book Pod. Today we have the recording of our panel on writing and publishing trans romance with Anita Kelly, E.E. Ottoman, and Emery Lee, moderated by TJ Alexander. The panelists talk about finding community as a writer and how to deal with the tough parts about the business side of publishing the kinds of books they haven't seen enough of and would really want to read, the first time they saw themselves reflected in a fictional character, reading, writing, and loving fanfiction, what straight media property could use a queer reboot, and money and the financial logistics of being an author. Then they take some audience questions, recommend a book of their own to check out, and shout out another book they've loved recently. The audio is a little wonky sometimes, but it's definitely worth ignoring that for the conversation. Before we transition to the panel— A little about our panelists. TJ Alexander is an amateur baker and author who writes about queer love. Originally from Florida, they received their MA in writing and publishing from Emerson College in Boston. They live in New York City with their wife and various houseplants. Emery Lee is an author and artist whose love for chaotic and morally gray characters started at a young age. After graduating with a degree in creative writing, E's gone on to author novels, short stories, and webcomics across a variety of genres and demographics, though YA fiction has always held a special place in Earhart. Drawing inspiration from Eastern media, pop-punk music, and personal life experience, work seeks to explore the intersections of life and identity in fun, heartfelt, and inventive ways. In your Downtime, you'll most likely find a marathoning anime or snuggling cute dogs. E.E. Ottoman grew up surrounded by the farmlands and forests of upstate New York. He started writing as soon as he learned how and has yet to stop. Ottoman has both a graduate and undergraduate degree in history and another in library science. These days, he divides his time between history, archiving, and writing. Ottoman is a queer trans man. Mostly, though, he is a person who is passionate about history, stories, and the spaces between the two. Anita Kelly is originally from a small town in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania and now lives in the Pacific Northwest with their family. An educator by day, they write romance that celebrates queer love in all its infinite possibilities. Whenever not reading or writing, they're drinking too much tea, taking pictures, and dreaming of their next walk in the woods. They hope you get to pet a dog today. And now, through the magic of podcasting, here's the audio from our panel on writing and publishing trans romance.
1: So the first thing that I thought we could discuss amongst ourselves, just us here,, <laughs> um, is just our process of writing and how it can be a little bit lonely. It's a very solitary activity for a lot of us. And I'm just curious how our panelists find that they can like it support keep out of their own head while writing, create community. This is just me wanting advice on how to do this, actually, to be honest, (laughs) because it is fucking lonely. So we're going to go in kind of a round robin style uh, for the panel tonight. So I think alphabetical by last name was what I arbitrarily decided, which I think that's Anita first. So Anita,
2: what do you think? So... Writing is very lonely, and I feel, at least in my experience, that, like, the higher up you get in publishing, I think it actually gets lonelier in, like, a weird way, which I think is partly how, at least traditional publishing is, like, built (laughs) um, to make it harder to talk about things, like, the more success you have, but how do I get through like it's like not getting in my own head? I don't know if I have an answer for that. I mean, I do. I have a writing group, which I am very grateful to have that I met through uh, like a writing program that I did, and then I also have you know just other like closer friends in my genre and um, or that like share my identity and like to find if you're someone who's just starting out and trying to figure out how to. Find those communities. I really wouldn't be afraid to just like slide into people's DMs, you know, that seem to be you know authors you admire or other people who are like querying or whatever, and just like it works somehow. <laughs> you just kind of like find your people. But I do think one positive thing of being published and having a, a couple works out there now is that I do know the do know that there are like people out there that get my work, and so even. If like I am doubting myself, I'm like somebody is going to read this and like it and like believe in me more than I believe in myself. And so that for me is helpful to like power through. I love
1: that. I definitely slid into some DMs just to say we're friends now. <laughs> uh and kind of forced <laughs> force myself on people that way. Um, Emery, any anything uh that you'd like to share your tips and tricks.
3: Yeah. Um, so I actually agree with what Anita said too, about how it does actually kind of get harder or like lonelier, I guess, like the longer you're in the industry. Cause like when I first was getting involved in the industry, it was really easy. I feel like to just be like on social media and just be like talking to everyone and like trying to make friends. And then I feel like the longer you're here, the more you get burned, but also like the harder it is to kind of like bridge the gaps between like people. Cause sometimes people will treat you different. Like they'll be like, Oh, you're one of those authors. Like you're, you're already published. So we don't want to talk to you. Or like, Oh, you're like lower, like not selling as well as me. So I don't want to talk to you either. And like that kind of thing. Um, but I think eventually like I, I kind of like stepped away from social media almost entirely because it also got weird, like trying to find that balance between like not wanting to be in reader spaces and then also not being able to stay out of reader spaces when readers are everywhere. So I'm not really on social media that much anymore, but I find that like because I already had some friends in the industry. Now I just make new friends through those friends. I love going to author events and just like, you know, like, especially like when they're at like local bookstores and just like getting to know the booksellers, getting to know other authors who attend the events, getting to know like other people who know those authors, like from before they were authors. And like, I feel like that has been how I really expanded my community. So even just like the other night I was out to dinner with a bunch of people that I met that way. And I think it helps to kind of be grounded um in space because you know like all of these people some who are like really in the industry and some people who just kind of like are friends with people in the industry but it feels less like I guess all-encompassing you're not as like trapped in like this industry headspace all the time like it can be like I feel like when you're on social media uh, or also when you don't have like real life friends that you kind of interact with so I think that has been um probably the most helpful thing just as far as like keeping me out of like that like death spiral that you can kind of get into.
1: yeah, my experience at least this week um on social media has been, you know, when you have a book release come out, there's a lot more people talking at you and 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 tagging you and things. And that can be great and really fun, but it also can be like super overwhelming. And I feel like, ah uh, i'm I want to like talk to people and connect and stuff, but I also feel like I'm not doing it. <laughs> social media like has to be. You know, something that I definitely eke out a little bit at a time. Um, EE, what about you?
4: I would really, you know, echo what everyone else is saying. I think when you're first starting out in the industry, um, it's good to find um, authors in the genre that you're working in, that you admire, um, you know, who you think are writing very similar kinds of things to you. Uh, be their friend on social media, friend their friends, you know, like, and kind of build out. And as you, you get to know the community, you'll, Figure out kind of like where you fit, where your group is. I too have stepped away from social media um, over the, like the last year or so, almost entirely. And so, I think now, what's really helpful for me is just to interact with people who are creative, not necessarily other authors, although I, you know, that is great, but just people who are doing all sorts of creative things, um, music, art, I often get, especially if I'm starting to feel kind of burnt out and in my head and overwhelmed by the industry aspect of publishing, I find it's really, really helpful for me to interact with an art form, people working in an art form or in like an artistic industry that I have no connection with. It makes me kind of think about process in a different way and kind of gets me out of that publishing, writing, comparing myself to others, you know, space and puts me back into like a more of a creative, less business oriented space.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And piggybacking off of that, I definitely when I feel like super overwhelmed with a deadline or with something publishing related, sometimes the thing that is most helpful for me is to talk to like, people who have no idea what goes on in publishing. Like my family has no idea what I do or what, how books get made. And when I try to like go to them to complain or like explain this thing that's, you know, I'm struggling with, they'll just be like, it's not a big, no one cares about that. <laughs> it's not a big deal. And I'll be like, oh, right. In the real world, very few people care about this. It's just me. And you know that's fun. Thank you all for that. Uh, that's all stuff that I'm going to be thinking about. So this is this is just me getting therapy. Actually, I'm so happy about it. <laughs> um, okay, one thing that I thought would be fun is if we discussed things that we would really want to read that maybe we don't see enough of, or maybe we haven't seen at all being published. Um, but something we wouldn't want to tackle ourselves or write ourselves for whatever reason.
3: Emery, do you want to start us? Sure. So, like, I'm mostly in the YA space, and so I feel like, like, a big thing that people have kind of, like, been talking about, but that, like, has not been heard by publishing is, like, I would love to see more stories about trans girls, especially, like, sapphic trans girls written by trans women. Um, And, like, obviously, I don't want to tackle that because i just don't want to take up that space like i would like to actually see trans women be able to write that but i think in the last like three years there's been like this surge of trans stories in the ya space that we never saw before like trans stories were almost unheard of up until that point but then it was like almost entirely trans guys so it was like well okay but Come on, give us, like, trans girls. Like, I would love to see, like, a really cute, just, like, sapphic trans girl romance written by a trans woman.
1: No, absolutely. Me, too. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but I know I have read um, some YA books with trans girl leads.
3: I know, like, three, uh, but they're, like, one is, like, very much, like, the struggle of being trans, Story. um And the other two are like speculative, which is good. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing totally wrong with that. But I'm like, I would love to just see like, a cute, like, you know what I mean? Like, just like a cute romance. Like, yeah. where it's just like trans girls being happy, like, give us some like sapphicness and like some of that. I think that would be adorable.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, trans women are just un- like underrepresented in publishing generally. But yeah, especially in the YA space. I think that it's important that we acknowledge that. EE, e., I think you're next in line. How about you?
4: um i definitely second the more trans women writing trans women in romance that's a it's a huge gap in the industry that i really don't know what to do about um except for you know try to nurture all of the trans women that i know who come into the industry but i think Asides from that, I would love to see more uh T for T trans romance. Um adult I write it in the adult romance um, genre. So in that genre, I would like to see more more trans romance in kind of subgenres that I've not seen a lot of uh, trans romance in. So, romantic suspense, westerns, probably more like traditional regency. Um, I know that there's a few, there could definitely be more. You know, I would just love to see more trans romance in, in areas of the romance genre that they're not currently in.
1: Yeah. I know of one brand's cozy romance that's coming out, I think, later this year. But that's something that like just, just all the genres. <laughs> I would just love to see more of all that.
2: Anita, anything on your end? I would love to see, I mean, repeating everything that y'all just said, um, but I would also love to see things like queer marriage and trouble. I'm trying to think of like any that I've read in the adult romance sphere. And I don't, I think Timothy Janofsky is writing one, but I don't think I've seen any. And as like a married queer person, I feel like I need that in my life. And like queer parenting stories, you know, like all like, like people being old and boring and queer. (laughs) It's like what I want in my life as a boring old queer person. Our yeah.
1: backs hurt. Our knees hurt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Give us Marriage is hard.
1: <laughs> no, i I think I, I think I echoed that when I was doing a podcast episode with Becca on the meet cute podcast um, earlier this, this month I said, I really wanted to read more and there's like no way to say this without sounding, you know, strange, which I think is really telling. I wanted to read more romances with like older characters, like golden age, little retirees, you know, like, I don't know. I've just never seen that. And I thought it would be, you know, an underserved market that, you know, we're all going to get old. And I thought it would be nice. Anyway, um, that's all great. I love all those. And I also want to see more of all that. Thank you. Please give it to us now. (laughs) Um, In that vein of like things that you want to see, things that you haven't seen enough of, um, what would you say was the first time you saw yourself reflected in a character? And it doesn't have to be in a, you know, a gender way, um, although it could be. Um, What you
4: know, that. When when was that? Um, EE, I think we're starting with you first this time. Man, this is a hard one. I can't think like off the top of my head. You know, like I think that that's one of the reasons why I started writing, right? You know, I'm sure that's to some greater or lesser extent something that we're all going to answer like that. I think that when I was a teenager, I really empathized in a lot of ways with uh Miles Verkosigan from the Verkosigan series, you know, in that he had a lot of disabilities. Um, the books were a lot about like him trying to find place in the world and like not really fitting into any of the different categories. And so like I really empathized with that, um, really saw myself in that. But I think, yeah, you know, like the kind of like lack of seeing myself was really why I started writing. And I'm trying to think if I read a book with a trans character in it before I started writing like a trans man. And I don't think I did. Yeah,
1: kind of same for me. Like, I can't really remember at least like as a kid seeing any at least like accurate or positive portrayals of even just you know queer people but definitely not trans or non-binary people but I would always like as a kid end up like vibing real real well with like the villains because they were always like kind of coded as like oh close enough (laughs) (laughs) so that was just me being like oh I guess yeah being evil is (laughs) It's an option.
2: Uh, Anita, Any anything anything that comes to mind for you? Uh, that made me laugh. Um, yeah, I, I have the same experience um, as EE where I feel like I never quite had that experience of like, oh, this is like me on the page. And so I feel like, like that is also why I write. But I do kind of want to like turn this question into an opportunity to talk about ee because when so like several years ago when i first started getting into romance because i never read romance before because i was a snob but when i started getting into the romance genre like i don't know six years ago or so i feel like i followed ee and may peterson and Corey alexander and i feel like you three like i feel like i learned so much from all of you and like i used a lot of Corey's writing and resources when I was writing my debut with a non-binary character. And so I feel like, I don't know, like you all were all like a big part of my journey, both in romance reading and writing. And so I just want to say thank you for writing, especially like your kind of like, like cozy, like warm, soft, like trans romance is like really what my soul needs.
4: So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>
1: take 10 minutes to all say how much we love each other (laughs) because like thank you anita for like like reminding me that like before we go any further i just want to say i've read all like everyone who's uh on this panel i've read your stuff and i think it's all great and i i read your stuff with the exception of Anita, whose um, debut came out um, a a few months before mine. Uh, You know, your books were the things that I was picking up when I was like, you know, is this even something that I can do? Like, am I allowed to write um, about these kinds of characters? So like, yeah, I was so, so thankful to be able to find y'all's work. Sorry, did you have anything that you wanted to, about seeing yourself reflected anywhere?
3: Um, yeah, so I'm I, I, I get I get asked this question. I feel like I'm like almost every panel that I'm on. And my answer has been pretty much consistently the same, which is I still have not seen a character who looks like me in any project anywhere. Um, not even my own stories do I write characters who are actually me? I write characters who have pieces of my identity, like in different stories, but never have I written a character that has like all of my identity. So in that way, there is not a character who looks like me. Um, That said though, I feel like, like something that I found is that the more intersectionally marginalized a person is usually the more familiar we are with projecting ourselves onto and heavily relating to characters that are not like us at all in like, you know, the identity ways, because we've never had that um, but like I think like the first character that I really related to is Squidward from SpongeBob um, because I was just like God, this guy's so grumpy. He's so mad at the world. He really wants to be a musician, but he sucks at it. Like that was me as a kid. Like I feel like that was very much like what you know. Um, but then like we, we were saying too about like villains, I was like him from like the Powerpuff Girls, like this like very like obviously like. Like he was supposed to be like the devil, but he was like obviously supposed to be like you know cross dressing and like very like gender queer like vibes. And I totally loved that guy, and I didn't know why. But I feel like for me, I'm so I was I was raised with like kind of the expectation that there would never be anyone who looked like me because people who looked like me were not supposed to exist in media. We weren't entertaining. We weren't relatable. So like I have I feel like you know creatures and monsters and like villains and, and talking animals. I feel like um, had all been for me, like very like mood. Like I feel that like you're unreal and I'm unreal. And I totally, I totally vibe with that.
1: Yeah. Shout out to all the gender queer villains <laughs> <Like, laughs> bringing that representation, I guess, <laughs> as best, as best they could. Um, this segues actually into a topic that I think some of us might know a little bit about, which is sometimes when you don't see yourself reflected in media, there's fan fiction. <laughs> um, could we have like a just a, you know, a very informal poll of like who has dipped a toe into fan fiction in their in their life? Anyone? Oh, it's all of us. Listen. <laughs> I just I happen to have a, you know, theory. I haven't done any research into this, but it just seems to me like a lot of queer authors, have learned a lot about writing um in a way with fan fiction and i would love to hear if that if that rings true to you if if it has impacted um your writing in any way um we do not need to blow up our spots <laughs> we do not need to give our handles out <laughs> but yeah i'm just very interested i have completely forgotten whose turn it is to go first is it emery
3: yeah. So I definitely did fan fiction. Um, that's where I started writing with fan fiction. And then like, I basically continued doing that all the way up until like maybe a few months before I got my agent. And then I was like, okay, I'm deleting all of this off the internet. No one will find it. No one will ever trace this back to me. So definitely, definitely a fan fiction person. Even now I say that like, I have projects that are essentially fan fiction. It's just like me. And, and there's a lot of like, and I can do a whole spiel about how there are so many books, like, for the last like hundreds of years that are just fan fiction of other stories that came before it. But yeah, so I have like some stories that are just like, Oh, what if I took this character between these things, like whatever. Um, so I do love fan fiction, but I think for me, like something that was really formative about like fan fiction, like as of like, a creative medium is that I feel like as opposed to where I feel like traditional books tend to aim for like a message or like they have a, this like divine purpose that they're seeking to like meet. I feel like fan fiction is all about satisfaction. Like, those stories exist because there is something that we as people just like have like this desperate desire and like thirst to satisfy and fan fiction is like, I'm going to satisfy that. And so I feel like when I write my stories, like people will be like, Oh, what's the the divine message. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm here to satisfy Like there was just like there was an itch or like a thirst that I needed to satisfy. And that is why I'm writing the story. And like, so ultimately for me, I feel like it's about thinking about what a story is can give the reader not so much as to like what the story itself needs to say, but what it can give you and like what you can like get from it. And I think that's kind of like how I approach like reading and writing now. So I guess like I'm just searching for like the fan fiction and published books. We could have a whole nother panel about
1: one of my first writing professors in college once told me in the class, if you are trying to write about something, you've already failed. And I didn't understand that for like a very long time until I got older. And I was like, oh, if you sit down you're like, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make up a story about how this is bad or this is good. Like that's not a story. (laughs) You're writing a pamphlet at that point. Um, And yeah, it can just be about vibes and that like, anyway, we could just go on for hours on that, but I won't because we have so much more to talk about. For instance, EE, fan fiction, go, anything?
4: Um. Yeah. So I also started uh, writing fan fiction. Um. And did for a very, very long time. Um. And I think that, like, what I really got out of that experience, you know, is that fan fiction. I think is very experimental. You know, because you're you're doing it for free and you're putting it out for free. And there's you know a little bit of you know people can read it and like it or not. It's very low stakes. And so I was able to experiment a lot and say, okay, you know, this is going to be about character building around this one specific part of this character's identity or personality or whatever. You know, this is going to be about, you know, exploring this one trope or whatever. And that was really, really helpful, you know, especially going and writing romance after that and also like allowed me to like break up the process of writing into chunks as opposed to when you write to publish right you have to do it all you have to hit every single point
1: yeah i think that there is definitely something to be said for fan fiction as a good practice both in figuring out what you do well, what you can work on, and also, like, taking, like, something and making, you know, a shorter little, a little something, a shorter little project. Uh, Anita, fan fiction, anything, thoughts, feelings?
2: Uh, Yes, so I am, um, like, super out of touch with fan fiction these days. Like, I've never been on AO3. Like, I feel like unhipped in my like nerdiness because I'm out of touch with fan fiction. But when I was a teenager, I definitely was very into fan fiction back in like, you know, the 90s, early 2000s. So like I had an angel fire like website with like like a starry night background and like all white, all lowercase like stories. And when I think about it now, I'm, like, having an existential moment as EE was talking. Like, I feel like my writing is still just, like, my fan fiction. (laughs) Like, my fan fiction was just me, like, you know, self-inserting, like, you know, my feelings. And just, like, having people talk and, like, being nice to each other. And I feel like that's still, like, what I do now is I just write, like, low stakes, inserting myself into, like, these soft romances. So, basically, I have not changed since I was 15 the end
1: (laughs) but I love that because like why would you (laughs) why would you need to um yeah I think that fan fiction for me was like a really great way to just practice and learn how to write love stories and see what it resonated with people and also like you know get to play around with characters gender in a way that like you know I wasn't getting from canon media so yeah I love that about, (laughs) I love that about fan fiction. Maybe someday we'll all be able to write like a spec script for some show. I don't know. That would be great. Um, Official fan fiction where they pay me. Um, All right. This is sort of like dovetailing on that idea. But is there a piece of straight heterosexual media that you think could use a queer reboot or retelling or are reboots trash and we should leave them behind and do original stories. Um I think we could, you know, talk about this all day too if we wanted to, but we won't. We'll just try and keep it, I guess,
2: pithy. Um Anita, I think you go first this time. Like so this is a bad question for me because I don't watch things. Like I'm really bad at watching TV. and Ch- Just children's cartoons. Yes, <laughs> children's cartoons. I could tell you a lot about those. And my son's favorite YouTubers. I love like period pieces from like sixties to like the 80s. So I would love like, like a queer wonder years.
1: All right, Amber, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I'm not
3: super into like queer retellings. Like I would prefer like original stuff. But with that said, I think every gay who is like my age had a formative thing around Charmed like when it came out in like you know 98 to like 2007 or 6 it ran um and so I I would like to see that like done actually like I feel like back in the day everyone thought it was so progressive and then you are rewatching it like this is so white feminist bullshit so I'm like I would love to see like a modern queer like actually progressive retelling I think that would be like fantastic (laughs) yeah
1: I was never a charmed, girly, gender neutral. Um, but my wife is, and yeah, I have seen bits and pieces of that show. (laughs) Same, same idea, I think, um, would be fascinating to see it updated for sure. Uh,
4: EE, any, any thoughts for that? This is a great question. I think that I generally, these days, fall into the category of let's not reboot things and let's stick with original properties but that being said i will do a queer trans uh retelling of the scarlet pimpernel one of these days it'll happen eventually i'll get to it so i guess that's going to be my exception <laughs> that would be absolutely rule. I, I have
1: read a couple of YA. um, I don't remember what the the line is called. It's like a rebranded classics, remix classics. So Mm -hmm. I I read a couple of those and I think it's a cool concept because, you know, I think the classics that we were all forced to read in like high school, why not? Why not make them trans? (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about money. (laughs) Which is a little bit um, gauche, gauche. I've never actually said that word out loud, I am now realizing, and I don't know how to say it out loud. Nobody judge me.
2: I think think you said it
1: right. Gauche? Okay. Great. I don't know French. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) You just wrote a French character,
1: though. (laughs) Yeah, bad idea on my part. Horrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) So, yeah, money, the business of being an author. And just the logistics of doing this as a job, you know, for some of us, it's a full-time job. For some of us, it might be a part-time job. How do you um, balance that and make it work? Um, And, you know, I think that in a discussion like this, we can't ignore that publishing is super white. It's super cishet for the most part. And... For certain authors, money may not be as pressing a concern as as others. So who is first? I think it's EE.
4: So I definitely do not write full time. Um, I have another job that I do along with writing. Um so kind of balancing that, you know, is definitely difficult time-wise. Um, you know, having to to work nine to five, and then also write on top of that. I think that one of the things financially that is really important for people getting into the industry to know, and I think is particularly difficult on people who are in any way marginalized, is the fact that a lot of writing really depends on don't know how to how to put this unlike shadow money right so like generational wealth having a spouse who has a really good job you know these kinds of financial safety nets that a lot of writers have and don't talk about Um, and I think particularly that's particularly true for people who write as their full-time job. I think often, you know, there'll be the conversation around money and and, and writer's finances will be, oh, I write full time and I make X amount. But what gets lost is that the vast majority of the time, those authors also have another partner who is making, you know, a good amount of money or they have, you know, savings that they've been able to s- You know, supplant them the writing money with, or they have inheritance, you know? Um, or they have a family who's paying for their house while they're able to write. And, and these kinds of underlying undergirding um, financial resources plays a huge part in the industry um, in ways that we as authors aren't really good at admitting to and talking about. And a lot of marginalized people don't have that, you know? like, and that's a huge, huge, huge hurdle. You know, it's really, really hard to be an author if you're just like struggling not to be homeless, right? And I think that that's one of the biggest hurdles for trans authors, honestly, is how many trans authors are really finding, how many trans people are really financially marginalized. And that you know makes makes writing and makes being in the writing industry really 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 challenging. That was really heavy. <laughs> so I'm sorry. But No, don't,
1: don't don't apologize because I think um at least from my experience it was all very very true. Um you know, I when I first started getting published last year, I was um as upfront as I could be, when people asked, like, you know, Oh, so how are you doing this? Like, I, I don't have another job. This is, this is what I do full time, but like, not, not by choice because I, 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 I do this because I lost my, you know, nine to five job and I, no one was hiring me for in that industry anymore after I came out. Um, but you know, that's, I, I was able to do this because I was really, really lucky to have a spouse who did have at the time a really steady nine to five job that could support us both while I was like, you know, like, let me give this a shot. And, you know, not very few people have that opportunity. Um, and I think it's important to, you know, just acknowledge that I probably, well, no, I definitely wouldn't be able to do this if my circumstances were different. And yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. And. Earlier this year, my life, my wife did lose that job. So now we're in this like precarious situation where I'm like, well, do I keep doing this or do I try b- to get that nine to five job again? But like, you know, we're going to be fine because we have a safety net. Like you said, we have savings and we have things that we can fall back on um, while we're trying to like work things out. But, you know, constantly going through my head as this is happening is like, you know, if this had happened, you know, nine months earlier, 10 months earlier, like, could I have made this happen for myself? Probably not. Um, yeah. So that's more heavy stuff. (laughs) And I'm so sorry to have to bring that in, but it's the truth. Um,
2: too. Like, so like, so as someone who's doing it full time, like you are also like hustling, like, you know, like you're someone that has multiple book deals. Like you have two books coming out this year. Like, and I think that that is what you have to do. Like if you want to write full-time or even part-time, like you have to have multiple things cooking at once, which is a lot of like, I mean, you know, unless you're like a book talk sensation, which typically only happens to, you know, like white, cis, straight people. Um, And so, yeah, I think that is like the key that like, if you want to do this full-time, like it's maybe possible, but you have to like burn yourself out doing it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's very tough.
1: Emery, yeah. anything you wanted to, to add?
3: Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that like, I do, I write full time and like that only worked out for me because like a random intersection of different things lined up. Um, but like, you know, I started writing immediately out of college and I got a full ride to college. So I was writing the like fumes of what was left over from like my college money got my deal just in time that if I'd gotten it like a month later, I would have had to have given up writing. Um, and then same thing, like, you know, I got, my agents have been very understanding that like, this is my career. I need to make enough money. So we won't accept a deal. That's not, you know, a living wage. Um, and even then, like, even then, like I write, like I write three to six books a year and even then like hustling, trying to sell all of those, I can rarely get deals fast enough to actually supplement like my full income, um, to the point that I have like side gigs, they're all publishing related, but like, you know, I'm, um, I've worked for like different, different, like mini writing projects I've done, like I do paid events and like class visits and like all this type of stuff, um, because the book deals really don't do it on their own. And all of that combined with the fact that like I live with a roommate to make my expenses lower like I have been like I spent like you know the first few years in publishing like keeping my expenses down to next to nothing just so that I could like write on the fumes and I think that's like it's hard because like I think a lot of people come to publishing with already established lives like you've been living your life for however many years you have kids you have like you know older parents to support you've got all these things and then it's like how can you possibly make that much money? Like I got lucky that I got signed with an agent like right out of college and like all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have a, I didn't need a full time job just yet. Like I was still kind of like, um, and I think that that's again, like things that people just don't really think about is like you have everything in your life has to come together at exactly the right intersections to be able to like live off of this stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's so much like, just luck of the draw and timing that has to all, like, converge for any of this, any book deal, really, I think, to to come to fruition, um, which is, it's really scary to think about, because, like, I, you know, I'll have people ask me, like, oh, you know, do you have advice on starting a writing career? And it's like, I don't know, man, like, get really into tarot and, like, you know? like, <laughs> Try your luck, I guess, because I have almost no idea how I did it. I don't know how someone else would be able to do it in a slightly different situation than mine. Um,
2: yeah. I feel like like for me, like when I was planning on um, like I want to make this more my career, which I only did like, you know, recently, like after having other careers. Um, but I feel like I had to make like a plan. So I knew I wanted to be a hybrid author which is easier to do I think in the adult romance sphere but like I wanted to do self-pub and traditional publishing so that way when like because the payout structure of traditional publishing is so like effed yeah. up <laughs> um, but so like but self-publishing you have more con- can you can have more control over it but then you also don't get like you know a thousand dollar advances and so it's like but I knew I needed to, I wanted to do that I needed to like Cross over into different like age categories, and like I I knew I would have to have several things cooking at once, and like so far that is working for me, but it is like a lot to juggle, and and the thing with self self publishing too is that, like I think that is where there's more marginalized people telling more interesting stories. But I think something that people don't realize too is that it is very expensive to do self publishing right. Um, Like, especially like getting a traditional deal first, like, it's such a privilege to have that advance of like, here's just thousands of dollars for writing your book. Like, whereas when you're self publishing, you have to spend that thousands of dollars to even, you know, if you want to do it well, if you want to have a good cover, if you want to have good editing, like, to even get it out into the world. And, like, sometimes self-help people take off, but a lot of times they don't. And you've just, like, sunk this money into, like, your passion. And, like, you know, if you have that savings, like you were talking about, like, then that's cool. But if you're, like, you know, a marginalized person that barely has any money, but you really want to tell your story, then you're just, like, paying to, like, further your suffering. So it really is yeah, it's, it's tough. And a lot of it just has to do with luck and privilege. But um, if you're like prepared to hustle hard enough, it's possible, but that also takes a toll on your mental health. So yay, this is all really, really happy. I like being able
1: to, to talk about, you know, the stuff that we really have to deal with as authors and especially as queer authors, because like, you know, we, people uh, who are, smarter and, and better at explaining this stuff than I am have, you know, done long Twitter threads on like the arcane process of getting paid by a publishing house. If you, if you, if, you know, people who are watching and listening to this don't know, um, you know, you get paid as an author and sometimes very chopped up little increments over the course of years, like, you know, sometimes three, four five years until you see the last bit of that money. So it's really difficult to, you know, live <laughs> off of that. Um, and it just makes everything, yeah, like you said, it makes everything necessitate having to hustle and having a bunch of pots going all at once and to be constantly working on something while you're selling something else and, you know, potentially also developing a third thing. Um, yeah. So that's just part of it. It's just part of real life, I guess. Um, But we are kind of running into sort of the last few 10 or so minutes of this event. So I would love it if we could answer some Q&As from the audience. Um, This is a question from Jordy, who says, as a trans woman working on a romance novel, what's the best way to get into the industry? Well, I just kind of gave a really terrible answer for that. I'm so sorry. Um, Whether that is going through the process or getting mentors like y'all. Who would like to start? I completely forgot the order at this point. Um, Anita, how about you?
2: What if I don't have an answer? (laughs) Um, So I think you should decide like if you want to be traditionally published or if you want to do self-publishing. If you want to do traditional publishing um, and you're in like the querying stage, um, I would definitely try to find, um, there's like, There's documents and like whisper networks out there about like the agents that are safe for you to um, submit to and to not submit to, um, especially as a trans woman. Um, So I would find those like I can send you some that I know of if you want to send me an email and find other trans people to have on your side to like commiserate and talk to as you're going through this process because it can be rough. But please do it because I want to read your
1: book. Skylar asks, what has been the most joyful part of the process for each of you? Oh, I like joy. Um, Emery, do you want to take that one?
3: Yeah. Um. So I think for me, it's just been um, recently I've been going to like a bunch of events. I don't have any books out this year. I've just been going to a bunch of book events for friends. Um. And like every time I get to one of those events and like we're all just kind of like celebrating with each other and everything, I feel like that's like the most joyful part. And just, like, getting to, like, look around the room and see how, like, every time there's, like, more and more people that I know and that I support and that, like, we're all kind of, like, here for each other. I feel like that's been, like, definitely the highlight of the whole experience.
1: My highlight is um, I sometimes get very, very sweet messages on social media. So I guess social media is good for something. Um, I've gotten some really sweet messages from, like, parents uh, of trans um, kids, you know, or adults who are their children. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Grown, grown children (laughs) saying that, you know, something I've written or, or one of my books has sort of helped them in seeing things from their kids' perspective. And I think that's really, oh, that's cool. Meaningful to me. Um, E.E., anything?
4: You know, I just, I really love the process of writing, you know, like every time, I start a new book and I'm working on it. You know, I fall in love with that story. Um, and then, you know, once it's published, yeah, like the feedback that I get is 100% why I keep going. I've gotten so many messages and emails and people in person, you know, telling me how much my books mean to them. So that's definitely the joy.
1: Love that. Anita, do you want to add a quick
4: joy, a joy of yours?
2: Um, same as yours. I have gotten so many very sweet messages from readers and I feel like I've just like met so many people that I would not have expected that I got to meet. Like, cause he's, cause yeah, writing is a lonely, solitary process. That's why I've always been drawn to it. And so I've been surprised at how many amazing people I have met through it.
1: Uh, as romance authors, are there limits on raunchiness that you put on yourself? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean this is just me. <laughs> like, not really. Um, I mean, I think each story is just going to be different. And I, uh, if I go too far, someone's going to tell me in the process—an editor, my agent. My agent has told me many times when to chill out on certain things. Not, not sex scenes. She's always telling me more of the sex. So <laughs> that's just my personal experience. Uh, Emery, any, any raunchiness limits for you? E.E. or Anita? No. (laughs) No, no no limits.
2: Limit does not exist. It doesn't. All right. Uh,
1: okay, here's one. Do you have any tips on starting writing groups? Uh, this is from Autumn. I really enjoyed my time writing with other people. But since that's only happened during NaNoWriMo, um, which is National Novel Writing Month, if you're not familiar, I find that outside that month, there are little to no opportunities. Do I just call cold call text people who I know and just ask um, where to start? Um, I started, um, I don't know if I would call it a writing group. It's me and one other person. (laughs) And I just like kind of told my friend, like we should write together every day and like keep each other accountable. And that was like. I think, two years ago, and we just haven't stopped because neither one of us wants to be the one who's a jerk and says, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wake up at 7 a.m. with you anymore. Uh, so that's what I did. Uh, anyone else have writing group ideas or tips?
3: Yeah, like, I'm in a writing group and basically someone was just like, hey, we should all write together. And we're like, okay. Um, and then, like, I have another friend who made, like, this just, like, massive group chat of just, like, everyone that they, like, like talking to in the industry and would basically, like, okay, like whatever y'all want to write, like I'm here. And so like people just be like, oh, does anyone want to write? And they'll just like, groups of people just kind of like get together to write. So I feel like it's just, yeah. I mean, like at any point, if you're like, oh, I know some people, let me just ask if they want to. And like, if they do, then great. If they don't, then I mean, you know, try again in a couple weeks or something.
1: Yeah, I find most people are just waiting for someone to say like, I'll organize it. And then like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm there, you know? Most people like would love, I think, to be invited to your writing group. So I hope that works for you. Um, all right. Maybe this is a good time to wrap up and sort of tell the people what book of ours they should read, book or books. Uh, go go nuts, I think. Self-chromo. <laughs> Straight people get to do it all the time. And then maybe recommend uh, a book that you've read recently that you loved. Um, Anita, do you want to go first?
2: I would love to. Um, so my most recent uh, release, that's the word, uh, is Something Wild and Wonderful, which is kind of the book of my heart. I really love it. Um, but I'd also recommend, uh, I think people don't know that I have a series of novellas, all they're all very queer. And I would love people to check those out for pride. Um, the first one is called Sing Anyway. Um, and it, they all take place at a karaoke bar and I love them. Um, But a book that I want to tell people about uh, is called The Prospects by Katie Hoffman. And it comes out next year. So you have to wait like a year for it. Um, But it's my favorite book of all time. It's about a trans baseball player. And it is a very sweet, wonderful gay romance. And it's so good. I'm so excited for it to be out in 2024
1: there are so many people who are gonna make me care about sports over the next couple I know of years. I know your sports it, romances I know like, I
2: now care about baseball like because of romance I gotta learn about basketball I gotta <laughs> learn
1: about soccer I gotta learn well all right I guess I gotta um Emery how about
3: you yeah so um my most recent release is Capricorn Nietzchi and it's actually like my quiet book I feel like it didn't get um as much recognition as my other books. Um, but it's about like two kids whose parents own rival cafes and it's like an enemies to lovers romance as they like work together to save their parents' chops. Um, If you learn about soccer though, I feel like that's a great time to read it because there is a soccer element to the story. It's not like a super big thing, but like they're on like the world's worst soccer team and it's kind of like hilarious. I feel like that book for me was kind of the one that didn't get nearly as much attention. So I would love if people would go um, pick it up and give it a chance. Um, As far as like a book that I want everyone to read, it would be um, Ander and Santi were here by Johnny Garzavilla. It is legitimately like the cover is absolutely beautiful. um, And it's about a non binary muralist who falls in love with this guy who's now working at their parents' taqueria. um, But then they find out that he is undocumented and they have to deal with that whole like, you know, struggle. Um, but it is honestly one of the cutest romances I've ever read um, and I solved. So highly recommend.
2: Seconding. It's so good.
3: It's definitely on my to read list. I've been
1: seeing nothing but glowing, glowing praise for it. So I'm very excited. E.E., e., you're up.
4: So um, I think with the book uh, my book that people should read, um, is The Companion. Um, it is a kind of dreamy cottage quarry, high heat historical romance, um, set in the 1940s, I think late 1940s, with, uh, t for t poly couple so it's two trans women and a trans man and it will be there's going to be hardcover collector's edition may be coming out um so keep your eye i guess on Insta- my instagram for that and uh the book that i would recommend is uh, What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher, um, which uh, is not a romance, but it is a retelling of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's that follow the House of Usher, which I think is funny that I'm recommending it since I said I didn't like retellings, but it's really, really, really great. Um, And the main character is uh, Transmask, and I highly recommend it. I need that now in my life. So thank you for bringing
1: it to my attention. My book that came out this week is called Chef's Choice. It's second in a series. It's a foodie rom-com about two trans people who end up fake dating and they kiss one, one, one. You don't Mm -hmm. have to read the first book if you don't want to, to have this one make sense. But the first one's called Chef's Kiss. if you want to check that out. And let's see, I have two books that I wanted to shout out. I'm so glad nobody else mentioned them. Um, the first is a sapphic uh, romance called Mistakes Were Made by your friend of mine, Meryl Wilsner. It's just sexy, high heat, age gap, all the things. Just a, Just a fun book throw it in your beach bag for the summer, everyone. And there is another book that I'm reading right now. So I can't even tell you what it's about because like I just got into it. And I don't, I don't read copy for the books that before I buy them. Um, I just hear that they're good and I trust people. Uh, it's called Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo. It's like re- very creepy, a horror ghost story, I think. I don't know, we'll see. But I really recommend it because I'm enjoying it.
0: And there you have it. A huge thank you to Anita Kelly, E.E. Ottoman, Emery Lee, and TJ Alexander for their insight and their joy. And their books. You should definitely pick them up. In fact, we can help with that. You can pick up copies of books by Anita, E.E., Emery, and TJ in our shop or on our website, meetcutebookshop.com. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review it on the podcast listening platform of your choosing. It helps other people find us. Plus, it's Pride Month. Do a gay deed. That's all for this episode of the Meet Cute Book Pod. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop in San Diego, California, and I hope you'll tune back in for more deep dives into romance writing, reading, and publishing. (laughs)